As science advances, we are doing things we've never done before in medicine, but at the cost of compassion. Welcome to ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. I'm talking with Dr. Thomas Lee, Chief Medical Officer of Press Ganey and editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, about his book, An Epidemic of Empathy in Healthcare, How to Deliver Compassionate, Connected Care That Creates a Competitive Advantage. Well, Dr. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. So if you've been a professor for over 30 years in medicine, how did we lose our way with connecting with patients? Well, I don't know that we lost our way. I think that we got distracted, distracted by fantastic stuff. I mean, there's just been amazing progress. And I mean, I trained in medicine and cardiology. And if I go back to when I came out of medical school in 1979, you know, the fact is we hardly could do anything for myocardial infarction. You know, all we did is we put people in the CCU, we gave them lidocaine, we defibrillated them if they coded, and we gave them morphine for pain. And we basically just didn't let them die right in front of us, but we didn't really do anything to change the natural history of the disease. And, you know, contrast that with today, we can do so much and mortality is going way down. But even in my area, cardiology, everyone is sub, sub, sub specialized. They're atrial arrhythmia specialists, ventricular arrhythmia specialists, and, and, and then you get into fields like cancer, and it's you know, even more specialized. So we've all been focusing on narrow, narrow issues, and it's all too easy to forget about the patient in whom all those issues are living and the patient's family and their friends and social circle. So stepping back is part of the job, but it's a job that often seems to come second after the narrow issues. So what do patients want in medicine? Patients are heterogeneous. There is no you know, one patient, just that there is no one doctor in terms of like what they want. I do think that they want peace of mind. Most of them know that they can't necessarily live forever and they can't necessarily get returned to perfect health. They can't get youth back, but they want to know things are as good as they can be given the cards that they've been dealt. And that phrase I put in the introduction of the book because it seems like, you know, very much an articulation of what patients do want. And it's our job to be technically excellent so we can try to get them as good as they can be. Patients actually assume that we're doing that. They take it for granted that we're knowledgeable and that we're doing a good job pretty much. But they worry about some of the softer things, you know, do we actually grasp the big issues that they have? And they also worry, are we working together? So they understand that we're good, hardworking people as individuals, but they worry a lot about whether we're seeing them as human beings and whether we're working well together. And why do smart, hardworking people in medicine resist change so much? Uh, well, I, and, and I do believe that the young people in medicine today are every bit as smart and every bit as hardworking as the people who came out of med school with me, you know, uh, decades ago. I think the pace of life is increased in general, but in medicine in particular, it's the narrowness of the issues and the number of people involved. You know, there can be 15, 20 clinicians, you know, most of them doctors, you know, but other types of clinicians as well. I mean, I saw patients this morning and I looked at my, the ages of the 12 patients I saw and half of them were over 85. And you know that with patients like that, there are many, many people involved. Frankly, I think a lot of doctors have 
given up on trying to stay in touch with all of them. And they, they even pretend that that's not their job to be working with others, whereas the truth is, it is our job. You know, we're the quarterbacks, we're the point guards. So how does empathy, the solution to a lot of the intrinsic problems we're dealing with in healthcare right now? Well, you know, I think that empathizing with the human being in front of you, understanding that what they're going through is miserable, that they're suffering, the use of the word suffering. These are like, you know, buckets of cold water being dumped on you to wake you up and make you focus and remind you, oh, there's a human being in front of me. If we can't have those nudges, it's all too easy to just get caught up with, I'm doing my job, I'm focusing on these lab tests and, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, when I've seen patients this morning, you know, I'm, I'm a normal human being. I was thinking, okay, what do I need to do to get this patient onto the next step so I can get on to my next patient? That's a normal way to feel, I think. Sure. But, you know, to make sure we're doing right by our patients, we need to have of the real nudges that this is a person that I've got to imagine what they're going through and try to address their real issues, even if they don't bring it up explicitly. You know, we have to, you know, put ourselves in their place and say things like, this must be hard on your whole family, for example. So with you and I kind of practicing primary care, it would probably be expected that we're going to be more empathic, but, but is empathy an innate thing that some people are going to have and some people are not going to have? I think empathy is, you know, a normal part of the human condition, fortunately. But some people have grown up in ways that it comes more naturally to them. It's more expected of them. But I do think that regardless of where one is, one needs constant support to try to be more reliably empathic just because we're all normal. You know, you're not going to like every single one of your patients. You're not going to identify with every one of them. But the truth is, we can't just turn it on when we feel like it. We can't just turn on when we like people. To do the job well, we have to actually be reliable. And we're supposed to empathize with every single person who comes in the door. I mean, that's the difference between excellence and the potential for excellence. So creating the context in which people are reliably at their best. That's a lot of what the interesting challenges that we have in healthcare organizations today. So how do you spread empathy like an epidemic in an office or in a hospital or in a health system? Well, I would say there, there are two secret sauces. You know, one is peer pressure. You know, having a team around you uh, that sees you practice, that you care about, that you would never want to disappoint, and that you frankly want to impress. That's one very powerful nudge that can help people be much more reliably at the best than it would be otherwise. The other, frankly, is transparency. And, and I mean, as time's gone by, I mean, I, I, I feel like transparency is like a true north. And the further one can go toward being transparent, the better. Even though everyone thinks about bad things that could happen with transparency, the good fairly reliably outweigh the bad. So my own hospital is now one of those where after every one of the, every visit, patients get surveyed electronically and their comments go up online. So the, the 12 patients I saw this morning, they will get emails. Most of them have emails, not all of them. And some of them will have responded by now. And some of them will have written comments about 
what it was like seeing me. And those comments will go up on the Internet for my family to see. My wife and my three daughters will see those comments. So I think that is a very powerful nudge to get me to be as good as I can be reliably. That's really something that was an innovation four or five years ago, but now it's become it's in the early majority phase. If you're just tuning in, this is ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell, and we were speaking with Dr. Thomas Lee about his book, An Epidemic of Empathy in Healthcare. One of the things when we talk about measuring the patient experience with a group of doctors, I think the first reaction is, this is going to lead me to practice bad medicine. It's going to lead me to give antibiotics I don't think need to be given, to order tests I don't think need to be done, just to get a better score. Is that a true belief? We've looked at the data a lot, and there's no evidence that that actually happens in fact, I can tell you we're doing some analyses right now at Press Ganey that haven't been published yet, but they show that the physicians who prescribe more narcotics, patients say they're in more of a rush. There's a correlation between the extent to which patients feel that the doctor was rushed and didn't take enough time and the rate of narcotic prescribing, and there's also a correlation with how well the doctor knew me. So as you can imagine, and especially practicing primary care, as you and I do, mm-hmm. when you know patients and you're not trying to get them out the door, you're more effective at not giving them antibiotics for URIs and not giving them MRIs for their headaches and not giving them opioids for their knee pain. You know, there are no data suggesting that giving more antibiotics or giving more opioids improves patient experience. Now, that said, you know the famous scene from the movie Sleepless in Seattle where Rosie O'Donnell says it's not true, but it feels like it's true? Exactly. So even if physicians aren't having financial incentives and other kinds of incentives to prescribe more opioids, just the fact they can still feel like they are being pressured to do so. It doesn't take less data. It takes more wisdom about how one uses data to deal with that feeling of pressure that physicians are complaining about. I think every physician, every clinician in medicine is part of some system. It might just be a small office or a clinic, might be a big healthcare system. How have the most highly functioning systems kind of figured out how to make the patient experience better besides kind of feeding back to physicians the reviews? Well, you know, it's multidimensional and it's really culture. And I can tell you part of the good news is, is that Organizations with high reliability cultures, they are safer, they have lower rates of safety events, they have better quality, better patient experience events, and they also have better business performance. And we just published a white paper using publicly reported financial margin data, length of stay data, and you can never dissect out what's cause, what's effect. It could be that organizations have better margins, hire better people, but it certainly doesn't seem like there's a conflict between a culture where doctors and nurses really feel like this is a great place, I love the people I work with, and all of the different types of performance metrics that we're talking about. So there are places that definitely do it. I'm on the board of Geisinger, and you know Geisinger's CEO David Feinberg. You know he's a psychiatrist who really, really cares about what patients are going through. So he's introduced things where patients get refunds of their deductibles and copays if they feel like they weren't treated 
with respect. Like to give you an example of one of them that we talked about is this one patient wanted his copay back because the doctor yawned while talking to him. And we talked about that. And, you know, is that reasonable? And ultimately, we gave him his money back. And the discussion of it, frankly, was more valuable to the organization than the $50 might have been. One of the things that you, and we're talking about empathy, and one of the things you talked about in the book is social isolation in medicine. Yeah. And I think as clinicians feel more isolated and they're dealing with some sadness and loneliness themselves, I think it is harder to be empathic to another soul. Do you believe that? Yes, I definitely think there is a relationship with burnout and resilience. And this is a topic that my colleagues and I are really interesting. I think I've got a, a cool thing or two to say about it. Well, the really good news is that I think that the solutions to better patient experience and better provider experience are the same. And it's for clinicians to take good care of patients and to be in an environment where they feel proud of it, where they get positive feedback for it. And the the paper I'm writing up right now, that's what I'll be doing this weekend, is research with you know colleagues at Mayo Clinic, where we uh, you know basically there are four types of data here. We have patient experience data on all the patients seen by these 471 doctors. We have burnout data, MASLAC burnout questions. That's the second type of data. And then we have two other types of data. My colleagues at Prescani have a tool for measuring resilience that includes four questions about activation. Like, I feel like my work has meaning. Uh, you know, it's, you know, how much pride, how into your work are you? And then and the other four questions are about decompression, your ability to stop thinking about work when you're not at work, and your ability to unwind. And naturally, we found that activation and decompression were related to burnout. You know, the doctors who were more activated were less burned out. The doctors that could relax better were less burned out. We didn't actually find a statistical relationship between burnout and what patients thought about the doctors. But here's the cool part. We found that the patients felt better about the doctors who were more activated, who thought my work had meaning. We also found that decompression was related to patient experience, but not in the way you might expect, in that the doctors that were better at detaching from their work, they actually had worse patient experience. Hmm. And probably because Patients don't want a doctor who's checked out. They want a doctor who's really, really, really into their work and really into them. So this analysis and other work we've done make us strongly believe that there's a sweet spot of improving burnout and improving patient experience, which is helping physicians be in context where they feel like their work has real meaning. Being on a terrific team is essential that, getting the positive feedback from colleagues who respect you for your work. Now, this isn't the whole answer to burnout. There's a lot of other things to do, but this is the overlap, which is we have to help clinicians get positive feedback for doing the wonderful work that they do for patients. So taking care of ourselves is important to better taking care of patients. The book is An Epidemic of Empathy in Healthcare, Dr. Thomas Lee. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for being on the program today. My great pleasure. This is Dr. John Russell. You've been listening to ReachMD Book Club. 
To download this program or others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com. Thanks again for listening.